You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. On 1 July, some important changes to the transfer balance cap reporting regime took effect, which means a lot more SMSFs will now need to report any transfer balance cap events, such as the commencement or commutation of a pension, on a quarterly instead of an annual basis. While at first glance this may seem to be a minor technical change, it could actually have a range of significant practical implications for funds, including impacting the timing of when pensions commence inside an SMSF. I'm your host, Craig Day, head of the First Tech team, and joining me today is special guest, Mark Ellum, head of education at Acurium. G'day, mate. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Thanks for the invitation. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. No problems at all around the invitation. Thanks for agreeing to come on. Yeah, no, good, good. Love the topic. Excellent. All right. Now, so as I said in the intro, you know, all SMSFs now need to report transfer balance cap events on a quarterly basis. Now, before we get into what this actually means from a practical perspective, do you mind just walking us through how the rules worked prior to 1 July so we can understand what's going on here? Sure. Yeah, no problem, Craig. So, as we know, prior to 1 July this year, as you noted in the intro, um, an SMSF that had an obligation to report transfer balance account events was either an annual reporter or a quarterly reporter. Now, an SMSF was a quarterly reporter where any member of the SMSF had a total superannuation balance of at least a million dollars at either 30 June 2017, if the SMSF had an existing retirement phase income stream recipient at that time, that being the start of the transfer balance cap regime, or... At the prior 30 June, where the SMSF first commenced to pay a retirement phase income stream to a member from 1 July 2017, after it all started. Now, an SMSF that was a quarterly reporter, they must report such events 28 days after the end of the quarter in which the transfer balance account event occurred, whereas an SMSF that was an annual reporter would have up until the due date of lodgement of the SMSF annual return for that income year in which the transfer balance account event or events occurred uh, to report them to the ATO. All right. Okay. Just to be clear, so previously where an SMSF had first commenced a retirement phase income stream such as uh, account-based pension, let's say, after 30 June 2017, and all fund members had a total super balance of less than $1 million at the prior 30 June, the SMSF was an annual reporter. Yeah, Craig, that's correct. All right. So what's changed? So what's changed is from 1 July 2023, just gone, all SMSFs that were annual transfer balance account reporters, they are now quarterly reporters. Okay, so what does that mean for funds that are already in retirement phase? Um, 
that were like annual reporters? Well, for a lot of those funds where all members are in the retirement phase and have been for several years, it, it may not mean much any, anyway, um, at least not initially. So as an example, if everything is already set up, the commencement of the retirement phase pension has been reported for transfer balance account purposes, and they're mm-hmm. just drawing down their pension payments, they're not starting a new pension, they're not taking any partial lump sum commutations, then the change in reporting frequency won't mean much as they actually have nothing to report. There's no events to report for transfer balance account purposes. Okay. So if the fund was previously an annual reporter and let's say the member starts a new retirement phase income stream today, such as an account-based pension, the fund is now a quarterly reporter and will need to report the credit for transfer balance cap purposes within 28 days after the end of, after the end of the quarter. So we're recording this in July, so by 28 October. Yeah. What if I started my pension last year? When does the credit need to be reported for those? Is it the same time as the annual return for 2022, 2022-23? Or is it going to need to be sooner because of these changes? Well, for an SMSF that was an annual reporter in last financial year, the 22-23 financial year, if the commencement date of the retirement phase pension, which occurred in that financial year, has not been reported for transfer balance purposes and hasn't been reported by 30 June just gone, it will be required to be reported by this coming 28 October as part of the transition to the streamlined transfer balance reporting regime. And it's not only retirement phase income stream commencements that need to be reported. It's any TBC event, any transfer balance account event that occurred in the 22-23 income year, financial year, Mm -hmm. that has to be reported by 28 October this year as well. So we have some time. There's still time to review those SMSFs that may have unreported transfer balance account events for the 22-23 income year, and those SMSFs were annual reporters, and get them reported by that due date of 28 October this year. Okay, so we'll Thinking back to last year, being the year of the recontribution strategy, um, I we had those work test changes, so therefore a lot of people between 67 and 75 all of a sudden had their ability to uh, make a non-concessional contribution turn back on. Um, now, I suppose a lot of those people would have already been retired and, and drawing down pensions, so what they would have done is commuted out of their pension, taken a lump sum, recontributed back in, and then commenced a new pension. So if that SMSF was an annual reporter, all of those transfer balance cap events will now need to be reported by 28 October this year and not in the annual return. Correct. Not when the annual return is due. I mean, it's not reported in the annual return. It's a separate transfer balance account report. It'll be reported separately. And it'll be really important for those funds to identify all those events, those events that need to be reporting for transfer balance account purposes in the 22-23 year, as well as any events occurring up to 30 September 2023, as all of them will need to be reported by 28 October. If they get that wrong, then penalties could potentially apply. Okay. Well, that's a good point. What are the penalties for late lodgement? 
Well, potentially the late lodgement penalty um, can be, uh, well, it'll be assessed at the rate of one penalty unit for each Mm. period of 28 days or part thereof that the report is overdue. And, but it's up to a maximum of five penalty points. So the current value of a penalty point is $313. It's just increased on 1 July. It's come up from $275 a penalty point. Okay, five times $313. Not going to break the bank, but not a deal. I don't want to potentially pay it. Now, you mentioned 1 July there as a date, I mean, in relation to the indexation of the, the penalty, I suppose. But talking about 1 July, traditionally... That's a very popular day to start a pension, especially if the fund will only be partly in accumulation phase and partly in pension phase, uh, and the fund's going to be using the unsegregated method. And I suppose this is because by starting at the start of the year, it maximises the proportion of the fund's income that's going to be exempt. So what does this practically mean for those funds? So, well, in simple terms, it means that those funds will need to report the value of the commencement of the retirement phase pension, which is the value of the transfer balance account credit that's going to arise in the recipient's transfer balance account by 28 October. Okay. One non-1 July start dates. What's the practical implication of that for an SMSF? Okay. So what it means is we can't, you know, we can't just use the member balance in the last set of annual financial statements is our pension commencement value and our TPC, our transfer balance cap, our transfer balance account event reporting value now. Instead, we're going to have to um, do, for example, an interim set of accounts or at least be able to reasonably calculate or estimate the value of the member's benefits and confirm the tax components so we can work out the value of that transfer balance account event being the commencement of the pension. And this in turn will require us to value the fund's assets because you know we've got to value fund's assets at market value in the annual financial statements and as part when we're commencing a pension. Right. So this is extra work to get done. So I assume because of this, if we're now going to see more pensions starting on dates other than the 1st of July, which means we can't use the annual set of account valuations, You're going to need to go and get people to do valuations and accountants to come up with an interim set of accounts. This is actually going to increase the cost for a lot of funds of starting a pension. Yeah, it can. I mean, as I mentioned, we need to determine the commencement value of the pension as best we can, you know, and that will apply if if it is 1 July, and that is the real date that we've commenced the pension, or it's today or it's sometime in September or, or in October. We still need to calculate and determine as best we can the commencement value of the pension so we can report that transfer balance account event, the date it started, the value of that transfer balance account event, the commencement of the pension, importantly by that due date, 28 days after the end of the quarter in which it occurred. So that's going to involve reviewing the currency of the fund's data we've received and processed. I'm speaking from the perspective of I'm the SMS accountant or administrator. So what data have we received, what's been processed either manually or via data feeds, ascertaining the market value of assets at the date of pension commencement. And again, you know, we're not doing this for, um, we, we can utilise valuations that we have on file if we believe they're still current. 
You know, and that's similar to looking at valuations, for example, of real property. If it's part of annual financial statements, we may have a valuation from an independent valuer from a year ago. We just can't use it because it's only a year old. Trustees still have to turn their mind to, is that valuation current and the reasons why? We need to determine whether contributions received were accessible or not, so we can apply the relevant tax, if appropriate, to it to work out the true member balance. And by way, just talking about that, contributions received from a member who intends to claim that as a tax deduction in their personal return, just keep in mind that that notice of intent, the timing requirements, that notice of intent needs to have been given to the trustee prior to the commencement date of the pension. Otherwise, that notice will be invalid and rejected by the trustee. So, um, you know, we calculate the commencement value as best we can with the data available in the time period that we have which, of course, could be a short period where the pension commences close to the end of the quarter rather than back close to the start. Right. Okay. So reading through that ATO SMSF valuation guidelines, it talks about being able to make a a reasonable estimate if we've got to report this thing within, let's say, 28 days um, so we can make a reasonable estimate of our pension commencement value. Um, But then... We, we're not allowed to use that reasonable estimate for, you know, the, the fund's annual statements or calculating ECPI, for example. So what would it then happen is we, we get to the end of the year and we're, and we're doing the fund's annual statements, potentially calculating ECPI, and we discover that that reasonable estimate was based on some incorrect data or out-of-date data that materially under or overstated the amount of the credit reported for transfer balance cap purposes. What are we going to do there? Well, in that scenario, you know, I would be looking at effectively amending the data that was reported for transfer balance cap purposes and why we know we can't amend a previously lodged transfer balance account report or a TBA event that we've uh, we've sent either by one of the other reporting methods. So once we've determined, hey, look, we used our best endeavours to come up with the figure. Yep. And we've lodged it and we've reported it. We then subsequently find out, hey, it's materially different, whether it's over or under. Then we need to consider lodging a cancelling transfer balance account report, cancelling the previous information we sent in, and then re-reporting with the correct figure. Because, you know, otherwise, you know, so we can't use it for ECPI purposes, but then we correct it in the accounts and we're using the correct figures in the financial statements, but we've reported a different figure for transfer balance account purposes. We've got two different figures. That's like having, you yeah. know, two sets of books for the business. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I think that would be a highlight trigger to say, you know, come here, have a look at this. So, you know, we've done our best to report within the timeline we have using the ATO guidelines subsequently discovered it's wrong it's not you know it's, it's fairly straightforward to then um, effectively amend what we've reported by cancelling and relodging a new t-bar all right so if we do that well well i've done it by the 28th of the end of the quarter what what if that's after the end of the quarter if i cancel yeah so yeah i that, yeah that's a good one um because we go back you know we talk i talked about the penalties and you know, and yeah. if we could run a poll, you know, hands up everyone listening who's received a penalty for late lodging a T-bar. 
I'm not aware of any. I'm not sure, Craig, if you're aware of anyone being hit with no, a late lottery penalty. So uh, it's gone up to $313. But maybe we might see that happening. We don't know. Maybe we see that happening now that we're all on the one regime. We're yep. all quarterly reporters. Now, you can't, that, really, you can't really argue, oh, sorry, I got that wrong. Yeah, you I know, thought which, I was annual, but I'm, I'm quarterly. Yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. Um, but if I've lodged by the 28th day, so I lodge and then I go, oh, that's wrong. So I'm going to cancel and I'm going to relodge a new one. We know from the MyGov account perspective or the tax agent online services, if you're the individual tax agent for, for the person, that effectively by cancelling the previous one, it disappears from the view of MyGov. You don't right. see it. It's gone. But they're still going to know you reported it. Hopefully. Hopefully, because otherwise, if they own, if, if it's, I'm sure their view is, will show them that it was lodged by the 28th day after the end of the quarter, it was then cancelled, and then a new one lodged. Even though from a MyGov perspective, it's going to be the one, they can see that you did lodge on time, so you don't get the penalty saying, hey, you didn't lodge on time. Yes, I did. I just amended it, and the only way I can amend is by cancelling and relodging. So. Yeah, I was, I was trying to do the right thing. I, I think you'd be pretty unlucky. Yeah. Um, so thinking about all this, I reckon, you know, there's there's lots of practical headaches out of all of this, isn't there? Well, there can be um, of these, but these days there's lots of tools around to assist trustees, uh, advisors, accountants and administrators to come up with an accurate value or as close to an accurate value as possible. So using those tools available, progressively processing fund transactions as they occur, again, whether it's manually or using data feeds, uh, should mean not too many headaches in relation to this quarterly reporting. And keep in mind, all those funds that will quarterly, quarterly reporters have been doing this anyway. So, um, uh, but if, you, if, if you're just winging it, you know, guesstimating uh, with the intention of fixing it up down the track, uh, maybe due because you're processing the transactions of the fund on an annual basis in one hit, then yeah, yeah, it, it may present a challenge. So this is another one of those, think about how you're approaching this in your practice, in your firm, um, with regards to this requirement to report on a quarterly basis where there is a transfer balance account event in the quarter for a fund. Okay. All right. Now, we've talked probably enough about starting pensions. We've also mentioned commuting pensions. Um, there were also obviously a transfer balance cap event. What other transfer balance cap events do we need to watch out for because of this? Okay, Craig. So uh, there's a couple I've got. Um, firstly, is a non-retirement phase transition to retirement income stream. There's a mouthful. <laughs> so mm -hmm. a standard normal TRIS, if I can use that term. And when it converts to or moves into retirement phase due to either um, the member satisfying a full condition of release and notifying the trustee, for example, the retirement condition of release, or turning 65, which itself is a full condition of release. Um, and the other one is a member's pension reverting upon their death. Now, whilst the pension is not regarded as ceasing, because it's reverting, uh, it is a new retirement phase pension for transfer balance account purposes. It's a new death benefit pension, which, as we know, has to be in retirement phase for yep. the reversionary beneficiary, for the recipient. Okay, so for TTR, 
I don't like Tris personally. I'm a TTR man. That's fine. We just need to report that by 28 days after the end of the quarter that the TTR converted. So if you turn 65 today, then you got to report by that by the, the 28th of October. Now, the death benefit reverting issue, I thought the credit ar- arose 12 months later. Why, why are we reporting it now? Well, no, that's true. The, the, the credit will arise in 12 months' time. So on the 12-month anniversary of the pension reverting, the, the death of the member. Um, but we still need – the fund needs to report. Remember, the fund has the reporting requirement. The fund still needs yeah. to report the reversion by 28 days after the end of the quarter in which the pension reverted because that is the transfer balance account event that we're reporting uh-huh. because it's a new – retirement phase pension for the reversionary beneficiary and it's commenced when it reverted. So we've got to report that within 28 days of the quarter, but the credit won't arise in the individual's transfer balance account, the reversionary beneficiary's transfer balance account until the 12-month anniversary. So yeah, I've come across that a lot. There's a bit of a mix-up there. or misunderstood those dates, thinks I've got 12 months to report. No, you don't. The 12 months deferral is all about the credit arising in the reversionary beneficiaries transfer balance account. The fund has still got a report by the due date, which will be the 28 days after the end of the quarter. All right. So we've, we've talked a lot of dates and stuff there. So let, let me just make sure I've got that right in my head. Um, so pension reverted on death, and that's the transfer balance account event that needs to be reported, and we need to report it within 28 days after the end of the quarter from when it reverted, which is on death, and it's just the credit that is reported that doesn't arise in the transfer balance account until 12 months down the track. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's It's the date of the transfer balance account event is the date the pension reverted, the date of death of the original pension yep. recipient. That's the event that we need to report it. Now, they're in the transfer balance account report, and I'll refer to the printed version, but it will be the same if you're doing it using electronic means. Um, there's a box in the transfer balance account report that you can check to state that the retirement phase pension commenced as a consequence of a pension reverting to them on death of the other member, the original pension recipient. And that means the credit will not arise in the reversionary beneficiary's transfer balance account until 12 months after the date of the transfer balance account event. Again, the date of reversion. Now, what you really don't want if I can say this, is the transfer balance account event, for example, the member dying and the pension reverting on the last day of the quarter, as then you only have 28 days to determine market value of the pension on the date of death and report it to the ATO. Um, but you know, but whilst you may not have control over the timing of the TBA event, um, you know, as an accountant administrator responsible for this, you should have control over your systems and processes that you have in place to deal with this type of scenario. So again, review your systems and in particular their capability in dealing with reporting TBA events quickly. Well, you, you just have a terms and condition of engagement agreement that says you're not allowed to die in the last day. <laughs> yes. You reckon that'll work? Yeah, <laughs> well, you put it in there whether it's enforceable, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Now, I suppose to summarise all of this, so all SMSFs from 1 July are now quarterly reporters 
and this means any funds that have any unreported transfer balance cap events from 2022-23 income year that were previously annual reporters will need to report those events by the 28th of October, assuming they haven't already been reported. It also means we're likely to see more pensions starting partway through the year, which will require trustees and advisors to arrange an interim set of accounts rather than just use the the end of year accounts, which means they're going to have to go and value assets, which means depending on how our fund's set up and how things are administered, it, it might increase the cost rather than just being able to simply use that, that end of year value. Um, we also need to watch out for TTR pensions converting to retirement phase and death benefit pensions reverting, um, which will also require accounting work and valuation. So fun, fun. Uh, yes, Craig, as I say, you'll always find fun in superannuation fund. Uh, and, oh, and, our, and you'll maybe get a bit of gnarly too. <laughs> dad jokes, a technical dad joke. Oh, I know. man. I know. Okay. <laughs> All right, mate. I think, I think that basically wraps it up. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your first, first gig at the, the First Tech podcast. How was it? Wonderful. You yeah, enjoyed it. We'll see, if, we'll see if I get invited back. Yeah, no problems. We're going to try and get a lot more um, special guests on over the next 12 months, so uh, so you never know your luck. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Craig. And thanks, everyone, for listening. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Advantius Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.